Hey everybody and welcome to episode 186 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Here we go. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you got a health issue that just won't go away no matter what you try? Then welcome to the Revive Yourself podcast, where we reveal the secrets to long-lasting health by getting to the root cause of problems that no one else is talking about. So you can have more energy, clear skin, healthier hair, a leaner physique, more confidence, and most importantly, do the things you love and live the life you deserve. Here's your host, Ryan Martin. So guys and girls, welcome back and welcome to episode 186. Today we have a fantastic interview, one that I've really wanted to get out for a long time. It's with Dr. Cowan. He's the author of many books, his last one being The Contagion Myth. We'll be going into all about how viruses are not only a complete myth, but how <laughs> you cannot catch illness. It is not contagious. Um, and so grab a pen and paper you might want to take some notes down for this one it's going to be fantastic but before we get to the episode as always this podcast is sponsored by www.reviveyourself.co and the shop that you find there where we sell all the best products in the essential supplements that you need to continue to live in the healthiest life possible on the planet because as much as we wouldn't we'd love to not be able to need supplements today's soil uh it's just isn't up to what it used to be and so the amount of nutrients you're getting from the food even if you're eating organic is still not where it needs to be um and also the amount of chemicals we've been bombarded with vo uh, vocs of volatile organic compounds and plastics etc you need to clean your body detoxify it and continue to build it so if you head there we've got so many quality supplements from the Finchley Clinic, including the, the three of my favourite teas, Paldarco, Quadrupedia and Cat's Claw. They're fantastic. If you head into Ancient Purity, I think I always like to say the Volvic Minerals, uh, the Volvic Acid, the Volvic Minerals is really something you should be taking every day. It not only gives you the, the depleted, the, the nutrients you, you'll be getting from the soil, unfortunately, is now depleted, but it also helps to eliminate glyphosate. It helps protect a barrier um, on the gut lining and cleans that gut lining for you um, the vitamin c and vitamin d products for ancient purity are second to none the celtic sea salt is something that i would recommend you season your food with daily and even put a little bit in your water to keep the body um, hydrated and keeping the, that mineral content high um, then we move on to bioptimizers where they've got the best bio, best probiotics uh, on the on the market by none. Uh, you can use them in the case of food poisoning or if you just want to continue to keep creating a healthy internal environment. The mass enzymes as well and the HCL are going to help you digest food because most people's hydrochloric acid and enzyme production start stops um, around gets it's depleted around the age of thirty to thirty five just because of the stressful life, antibiotics, alcohol, etc. So having some HCL and enzymes to have with your food would be great so your body can actually digest, metabolize, assimilate and eliminate the food you're eating. Um, then if you head on over to essentialoilwizardry.com, they've got the best essential oils on the market bar none. Put in the code REVIVE10, you get 10% off. Same with blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com for the best blue blocking 
blue light blocking glasses on the market. Once again, code REVIVE10 for 10% off. And all the foods from lovingfoods.co.uk. If you want to continue to create a healthy internal environment with thriving, friendly bacteria, then having things like fermented foods, probiotic-rich liquids in your diet is a must. And loving foods, I mean, it doesn't get better than, than, than what you get from loving foods. So if you like kimchi or sauerkraut, red cabbage, it's all there, um, one click of a button. So yeah, that's it for the shop. So let's get on to today's show with Dr. Tom Cowan, author of The Contagion Myth. Here he is. Enjoy, and I'll see you on the other side. So, guys, today we have a uh, right, guest that's um, probably been very sought after um, with the last uh, year, 18 months, uh, Dr. Tom Cowan, um, who's authored many books, uh, the last one being The Contagion Myth, which um has it been has it been banned now on Amazon, Tom? It was banned and then we they, the publisher changed the name and then they seemed to think it was okay. Okay. And what's the name of it now? Uh The Truth About Contagion. The Truth About Contagion. Brilliant. So that those of you that haven't um haven't haven't come across um Dr. Cowan's work, I don't know where, where you've been. Um I've I've spoken to to Tom once before um, all about the heart how it wasn't it isn't actually a pump which is a really interesting conversation that you can go back and have a look look at um but um in the natural health world I'd say you've actually been quite famous I'd say you've been a very very popular person um people have had great conversations with but then I think 18 months ago you 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 were speaking to I think a group of people um, explain to them about viruses and about um i think you actually use an analogy with a dolphin with a dolphin talking about how the how, if a dolphin was was ill would you would you think oh they got this this random virus or would it actually be maybe someone's put something in the water and i think they went out to quite a few million people uh and i think you uh, your audience probably expanded quite quite a bit after that video went viral yeah i heard a hundred million people saw that yeah, and and, and then I decided it was time for me to learn about quote viruses. I I knew something for ever since AIDS, but I didn't know what I needed to know, and so I spent the next few months with the help of uh, Andy Kaufman and Stefan Lanka, and they got me up to speed. And now I think I'm fluent in virology, which is sort of like being fluent in unicorn yeah 100 percent. especially with you know anyone who talks about this um in terms of what's really going on the, the truth about viruses um generally has been censored shut down um looking through your podcast list as well because you've got your own podcast at the moment i think it's tom kaufman and friends dr kaufman and friends uh conversations with dr cowan and friends sorry Kaufman and Andrew Kaufman yeah Dr Cowan and friends I remember you've got some really good um people on there one of which as well which go into is Catherine Austin Fitz that not some people have probably don't know but she's a very very good person to talk to if you want to go into the economics of what's going on she's a very good investigative journalist and just how most people don't know what Catherine knows most people don't understand what yourself, Stefan, and Dr. Kaufman, uh, Stefan Lanker, Dr. Kaufman, understand about viruses. And um, even for someone like myself who've been 
studying parasites and funguses, etc., for a long period of time, it's sort of st- 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 still understood that viruses were similar to them. They're just another version of parasites and funguses that um, would can create, create an infection if the body was run down or if the body was in a diseased state, they could take over. Um, but what what we've heard um, and what we've studied since has been it's been very different. Um, I'd like you to, to to go into that in a little bit, but I know that you're you have heard you speaking to Paul Check on this as well, and it seemed like your stance had uh, differed slightly um, from what you first said. So, so I'll let you have the floor, um, Tom. If you just explain to people what what a virus is, um, and also why every single photograph of a virus you'll find um, is actually from a cell culture, but never from blood, saliva. Uh, semen or any part of the human body all right so i'm sure many people have heard this before but let me do it again so the question that everybody needs to answer for themselves every human being on earth should know the answer to this is how does a virologist identify a new virus and show that it causes disease If you don't know exactly the answer to that, then I would say you have no role in in understanding what's happening here. So when I ask people that, and we're talking about lay people, medical doctors, virologists, scientists, et cetera, journalists, whoever, uh, most of them say, well, if a lot of people get sick in the same place, that means it's a virus. Or if the people get sick in the same way and then it spreads to another place, that means it's a virus. Or uh, there was a prison and nobody was sick and then somebody was sick who was sent there and tested positive. And the next thing you know, everybody in the prison was sick and that proves it's a virus. Or my Aunt Bessie went to church and somebody tested positive there and she came home and she got sick and then Uncle Fred got sick and that proves it's a virus. And I've heard hundreds of stories like that. And the fact of the matter is those are what are called epidemiological observations. And the role of epidemiology in science and medicine is to generate hypotheses and it can never prove A, the existence of anything or the cause of anything. They just tell you, you should look to see if there's something being passed from one person to another. And I agree, we should have looked into that. I would also point out that if you think that because a lot of people get sick in the same place with the same symptoms, that proves it's a virus, you must think that Hiroshima was a virus. And if you think if something spreads from one place to another, that proves it's a virus, then you must think that Chernobyl was a virus. And it turns out that the medical profession and scientists have made this mistake over and over and over again. They noticed that sailors on ships got sick, their teeth fell out, they went into heart failure and died. They quarantined them. And what happened one sailor after the next, they thought it was contagious for hundreds of years. And then somebody ate a lime and the whole thing went away because they had scurvy. The same thing happened with pellagra, Children in the same family got sick uh, and they thought it was contagious and then it spread to the village 
And it turned out it was a B vitamin deficiency because of the way they were processing corn, essentially. Same with beriberi, et cetera. So over the years, the medical profession has been 100% wrong about calling things contagious, which aren't. So please don't make that mistake. So the, the next step in this process is, so uh, now we're talking about how, let's say, medical doctors think they've proven the existence of a virus and then shown it caused disease. Or I would also say this is how it should be done. So you take a bunch of people, let's say 100 with the same symptoms, whatever, cough, fever, runny nose, whatever it is, you know, measles, rash, chicken pox symptoms, polio symptoms, whatever it is. Then using techniques that have been around for about 100 years since the invention of the electron microscope, about 80 years, you do the following. You take some biological fluid, either blood or snot or bronchial fluid or urine or feces or something, and then you centrifuge, uh, sorry, you uh, macerate it, means grind it in a blender, filter it, uh, put it in a, 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 a density centrifuge, which spin things out by weight. And then you get a band of things that are all a certain weight. You suck the band out. You show with an electron microscope that you have only one particle, one type of particle that are all morphologically identical. They all look the same. They have the same, made of the same material. They have the same genetic material. And then you can say you have purified that particle from that biological fluid of the person. This is a very simple technique, which can be done with any chemical has been done with bacteriophages. So it's not a technical problem. And remember, when you're talking about a virus, you're talking about a thing, right? It's not an idea or a feeling or a thought or a conception. It is a physical particle, we're told, that can be purified exactly in the way I just described. Now, here's the thing that everybody needs to know. Uh, because once you purify it, then you can expose animals or people, if you want, to that virus in the normal way, like spray it on them and prove that the virus and only the virus causes disease. That's called logic, common sense, and science. Now, here's the thing that everybody needs to know. In the entire published history in medicine and science over the last 85 years since we could do this, there is not one case of anything you could call a virus being found, i.e. isolated, from any biological fluid of any sick person, period. If you disagree with that, send me the reference and I will tell you why it's not true. Because a whole team of us have been looking for years and there, it simply doesn't exist. Now, let me tell you the people who agree with what I just said. So this is not Tom or Andy or Stefan saying this. We have asked 120 different governmental health institutions, the CDC, the NIH, the uh, 
National Health Service in Australia and England. Show us one paper that has uh, found isolated SARS-CoV-2 or any pathogenic virus from any biological fluid of any sick person. And they've replied in writing, we don't have such a paper. Now, here's another group that agrees with this. There's four major virology papers that said they isolated the virus, SARS-CoV-2. We asked them in writing, did you purify, isolate, find the virus directly from any biological fluid of anybody with alleged COVID-19? And they replied in writing, that has never been done. They did not even attempt to do that. Here's another person who has agreed with what I said. So I was asked to speak to the a group of uh, lawyers and activists and scientists and virologists about what I'm telling you right now, right? And they were not happy with me because they said I was dividing the movement. And so they invited a fellow who was introduced to us 20 years had, or sorry, senior scientist virologist at the Wuhan Center for Disease Control Virology Institute. And then 20 years as a senior pathologist at Yale University in the United States, head of their virology laboratory department. You would think that he would know something about virology. And so we, I presented this idea that this, this SARS-CoV-2 has never been found in any human being, and he agreed. And we asked him why, and he said, there's not enough virus to see. Now, interestingly, if there's not enough virus to see in the lungs of somebody who just died of COVID, on what theory do we have that it's going to kill us all? Now, luckily I was doing this with Andy and Andy had the presence of mind to say, what about if you mix 10 people's bronchial fluid together, all who had COVID, you say, would there then be enough virus to see? Because you can concentrate it all together. He said, no, there's not enough to see. So we asked him, what about 10 people? Not enough to see, you have to concentrate. What about a thousand people? Not enough to see. What about 10,000 people? You took 10,000 people who you say has, has COVID and you concentrate their sputum together. Would there then be enough virus to see? And he said, no, and then he wouldn't answer any more questions. So if you think that you can find this virus, whether it's chickenpox, polio virus, measles virus, HIV, SARS-CoV-2, Zika, Ebola, in the any fluid, any fluid of any sick person, you are sorely mistaken and you simply don't know the science of virology. Period. Now, the question is. There are, let me just take a guess here, 10,000 papers in the medical literature, including maybe 50 to 100, most of which I've read, on SARS-CoV-2, saying 
something like the title, The Isolation of SARS-CoV-2 from a Patient in Australia, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So what are they talking about? Yeah. Because I just said they've never isolated it from any patient. So here's how they do it. And this got started in 1954 with a paper by a guy named John Enders. He initiated this process, which is still being done today. So here's what they do. They take the bronchial fluid of somebody they say has COVID and they filter it, which is not purification. They don't look at it to see whether there's any viruses in there or not. And then they mix that with gentamicin, which is a kidney toxic antibiotic. They mix it with amphotericin, which is a kidney toxic uh, antifungal drug. They mix that with fetal calf serum. And remember, we're looking for a virus, which is defined as a protein coat with a piece of genetic uh, interior. And so they mix it with fetal calf serum, which has proteins and genetic material. That's a problem. And then they take this mixture and inoculate, which just means spread. They spread it on monkey kidney cells, otherwise known as Vero cells, mm -hmm. which is another source of proteins and genetic material. And then they take away the nutrients from the medium. In other words, they were growing the cells in a nutrient-rich broth, and then they put it on minimal nutrient medium, which starves the kidney cells. And the next thing you know, the kidney cells break down into thousands of pieces, and the breakdown of the kidney cells is called a cytopathic effect, otherwise known as CPE, and that is called the isolation of the virus. That is called the proof the virus exists. And then they show you a picture and they say, see, this particle is SARS-CoV-2. Now, here's what everybody needs to know. Uh, Stefan, who was trained as a virologist uh, with Andy and I help, decided to run this experiment ourselves. So here's what we did. We took cell culture and we put in normal medium and we put in a little bit of antibiotics and we grew it and it grew fine. And then we did cell culture, normal nutrient medium, fetal calf serum, a little bit of antibiotics and it grew fine. Third step, tissue culture, cell culture. We took away the, the nutrients exactly like every experiment that has said they isolated the virus did, exact same medium. We added amphotericin, genomycin in the same concentration that they did. We added fetal calf serum in the same concentration that they did. Within three to five days, the, the tissue culture broke down, proving that a virus was in the medium, even though nothing from anybody who was sick, there was no possibility of any virus being introduced into that medium, proving 
that the CPE, the breakdown of the cells, came because of the experimental procedure and has nothing to do with the virus. Is that clear? Yeah. I was actually going to say to you, that, like, yeah, carry on. Go on. Go on. You finish. And then the final step was we, add, we did the same thing. Nothing from anybody who was sick, nothing with the virus, cell culture, took away the nutrients, added genomycin, amphotericin, fetal calf serum. It broke down. And then we added pure yeast RNA, mRNA. Nothing from a virus, just RNA from yeast. And then we put it through what's called unbiased de novo next generation sequencing. And we sequenced the SARS-CoV-2 virus in its entirety, even though there was no chance that there was any SARS-CoV-2 in that mixture. Proving, number one, that the breakdown of the cells, which is called isolation and proof of infectivity is because of the experimental procedure, not because of a virus. One, proving that the pictures that you show people saying here's the virus are just breakdown products of the cells, either the fetal calf serum or the kidney cells. Three, we sequence the virus even though there was no virus possibly in that mixture. And in fact, we can sequence any RNA virus you want. We can prove that there's measles virus in there or Zika virus or uh, HIV virus because they're all make-believe. Now, here's the way to think of it if you want an analogy. If you, have, if you go looking around your neighborhood you look for stray bits of paper, right? And you don't see any. And you come back a week and there's two houses, old houses, you know, they're a little decrepit and they're smashed to the ground and there's millions of bits of paper all over, the, all over their lawn, right? Yep. And you say, I have a theory, here's what happened. The paper that I couldn't see in the beginning injected itself into the house reproduced, blew up the house, scattered itself all over the lawn, and that's, that's how it's going to go infect the next house. And then a little boy in a tricycle comes by and says, hey, mister, they, this demolition crew came four days ago and they dynamited the house. In other words, Dostoevsky did not blow up your house. The paper the little particles that you always see in these blown up tissue cultures are not because anything came from the outside. It's because the tissue got blown up and we have mistaken the debris of the breakdown of any sick tissue for a pathogenic virus. And it's about time since we've proven that that is not unscientific, that is anti-scientific. It's time to get rid of that delusion. I don't know where to start with that because <laughs> there's so many questions. And it's it's one, one of the things you've mentioned there, because um, everyone, as you said, there's been so many papers saying we've we've isolated it, we've isolated it. So this gets to gets to the, the bottom of how you know it's not been isolated by 
actually definition of what isolation is. Um, it is a bizarre uh, inversion of the word that is completely a- anti-scientific and meaningless. I mean, Mike Adams from um, uh, the Health Ranger was talking about how if he wanted, because he's got his own lab, and he said, if I want to get isolated glyphosate, for example, I can get some of that. We've been asking for isolated um, uh, SARS-2, and we haven't been able to get any, uh, apart from a a, a formula that is not in any way isolated, the same as you were talking about there. Um, And so... For people, for people out there, why would they, why would they use this method? Like, what, 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 what benefit has it got for them to not be isolating the virus? Um, in because the whole thing doesn't exist, right? And they did this for twenty years. They invented the electron microscope in the mid '30s, and for twenty years they looked for viruses because they could find bacteriophages, which are the same size, same shape same morphology, same type of genetic material. They knew how to find something that size. And so they could easily do it. There was no excuse anymore, right? Because they used to say virus, that means poison. We don't know what it is, but there's something poisoning you. That's why you have, uh, you know, polio. Now they could look through the the tissues of, of anybody, the brain, anything of somebody with polio, They couldn't find it. They had a choice at that point. We're talking 1954. They could either all be plumbers, in which case now we would have a pandemic of flooded basements, or they could figure out some other way to show this virus. And that's what John Enders did. He said, I found the virus by this tissue culture. Now, John Enders, in his original paper, interestingly, and I can quote it for you, said he did this control experiment. He did this did snot from somebody with measles, a bunch of children, and then showed it broke down. He said, that's the virus. And he did the same thing, but he didn't add anything from anybody with measles. And he said, quote, The results were indistinguishable, which means right then and there, he proved the whole thing is bullshit. Excuse my French. Mm -hmm. And he got a Nobel Prize for it. And then it was off to the races. So how, so Tom, how, so this is the thing, everyone that's in it. So you're basically saying the whole industry is, is there. it's, It's all, it's all built on, you know, absolutely Nothing. It's a bill on a Nazi. A misconception. Here's another way to put it. Let me just say two things. Mm-hmm. Go for it. You know, so we've gone from like all viruses in you are vir- viruses, meaning particles. Mm-hmm. They come from the outside. Yeah. Now the virologists say, well, some of them come from the outside and some of them are these exosomes or extracellular vesicles or breakdown products. So some from the outside, some from the inside, and we can't tell them apart. That's the official position. The reality is they all come from the inside. Here's another thing. If you say, well, uh, if you think about what viral theory is, viral theory means the virus in 
infects your tissue, right? And then it reproduces and grows, makes millions of copies, lyses the cell, kills the cell, and comes out, right? That's viral theory. Why isn't an infection in somebody's lung a, a culture, right? That's what happened. The virus came in, it got in your, cell, your lung cells, it reproduced, made a million copies, blew up your lungs, and now you should have a million copies. Why can't you find it? Why do you have to put it on another tissue culture outside of a person in order to prove that it's there? That makes no sense at all. I mean, the whole thing makes no sense, especially when you, you dig into it. But they've 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 put so much fear, so much propaganda into it. People walking around scared of other people thinking that they can be infected um, by them. And and so you're saying, I mean, I'm just just for people out there. I know what my views on it. But for, for you're saying this whole thing's been built, built on a lie. And it's basically what what was it for, for money, for power, for for financial gain? Would that would that be it? Or to get to go down to get us into the situation we're in now, which is leading us down to, you know, a, a, a vaccine passport, social credit system sort of era. What what would you what would you I mean, what would you say? I, I am not here to speculate on other people's motivation. Okay. I, I am here to tell people. You know, people say, "Well, what's Tom's theory?" I don't have a theory about anything. No. I have observations fact and the scientific process that if you're going to say this particle causes this problem, you better just isolate this particle and show me that it does that. Because if you tell me that a ping pong ball knocks down brick walls and you prove it by putting a ping pong ball in a bucket of stones and throwing it at the wall, I think you're a lunatic. So, so for Pete, so You've gone out there. Obviously, this is you, um, Dr. Stefan Lanka, Andrew Kaufman, uh, and more people have obviously, obviously on this um, on the same path as you. Um, the the mainstream medical industry has shut down all, all basically all discussion of this. Would you? Is that? Is that yeah, true? yeah. Because they, you know, all I can say for your listeners is, uh, Stefan, Andy, and I have offered on December 11th, we're going to post it on my website, that anybody who has a paper that proves us wrong, proves the existence of SARS-CoV-2 or any other so-called pathogenic virus, they can send us the paper, highlight the areas they want to emphasize, and we will provide a forum for them to describe how they know that this is true and then they can be questioned by us. Sounds like a reasonable thing to do. And if, if anyone, any any scientist, doctor out there that had this evidence, you know, and they had any sort of credibility and integrity, they would do it. Show I mean, it to us. Yeah. Um, and, and not like you know what usually happens is it, it comes in a in a blind side, and they don't show you the paper, and they just say it, and then you start arguing about whether the paper is showed what they say it does or not, and it gets nowhere. So it's very reasonable, in my opinion, for us to say, you have two months. If you want to repeat the experiments, repeat them, show us the method, Show write down the steps, uh, send us the published paper, 
we will then review it. And so we'll all be on the same page. You said, I think John, John Enders did this first in 1959, did you say? 54. 54. I mean, so they've had almost 70 years to uh to get this to get this study done right and to, or to, to prove that this is is what they say it is so the fact that they can't it's it, the whole thing's a farce um and it's just I mean, people so people out there are saying but people are dying etc what, what is why are they dying or someone out there that said oh what about chicken pox you know someone comes into a room uh, and someone else catches it what would you what would you say why why are they I know I've spoken about this myself, but why would you say that the symptoms, people losing their taste and, and smell, et cetera, why are people getting these symptoms, uh, Tom? So number one, I did not say that people don't get sick, right? Yep. Uh, now let's look at chickenpox because we did a whole webinar on this and our friend, uh, Samantha Bailey, who's a New Zealand doctor, looked into the CDC claims it's chickenpox is caused by the varicella virus. Mm-hmm. She looked for a reference and the CDC had no reference of any finding of any varicella virus from any person, child sick with chickenpox. It doesn't exist. Now, there was a study, I believe it was about 1919, where they took children with chickenpox and they sucked some of the fluid from their lesion, right? Their chickenpox bubble. Because they say this is a highly contagious disease. Mm-hmm. So they took the fluid and they took snot and they did various things to expose other well children who had not had chickenpox to, you know, they injected them with the, with the fluid from the vesicle. They sprayed the snot at them and none of them got sick. And the only time they got sick, the only symptom they had was they made an incision and they injected unpurified stuff from a chickenpox lesion. And then the children got redness at the site of the injection, which could be from damn near anything. Now, here's the thing that gets people. We've all had the experience of, you know, my child was sick and then the next child got sick. Or I got sick and then somebody else got sick. So I didn't actually say there isn't the possibility of transmission, right? But here's what we know. Let's talk about chickenpox, for instance. Number one, there is no part of a human being like snot or lungs or skin lesions that is the transmissible agent. Mm -hmm. Number two. When the person is dead, they can't transmit it, even though the virus doesn't necessarily die. I mean, it's not there, so we don't know whether it dies or not. Uh, But dead people don't transmit disease. Well, they transmit some disease, but not chickenpox. Number two, uh, we know that chickenpox makes any child who goes through chickenpox healthier for life than if a child doesn't go through chickenpox. There are many studies that show that children who go through chickenpox have less cancer, less diabetes, less arthritis, less heart disease, less mental illness, less asthma, less eczema. So the process we call chickenpox is a health-promoting step. 
-hmm. Now, given all that, I can imagine since here's some of the things that are transmissible between people like laughter and joy and menstrual cycles and yawning and yawning. Yeah. Right. Are those viruses is you put 20 women in a cabin for a year and they all synchronize their menses. Is that a, is that a virus? I mean, I don't think so. Uh, All animals do it. All plants do it. Trees do it. All dolphins do it. Now, if you're talking about, so chickenpox turns out not to be a disease. It's a maturation step, which makes you healthier for life. Now, I can imagine that one child says to another, hey, you know, we've all been poisoned by glyphosate here. Why don't you go through this elimination phase with me? It's no big deal. Nobody dies and you'll be better for life. Okay, I'll do it. The next child says, no, I I never had glyphosate. I'm not doing that. And that's why you see some children get it and some children don't. There's some exposures that seem to be universal. So it's like a detoxification of certain... It is an absolute cleansing, maturation step. And unfortunately, the medical doctors, like always, are confused, Mm -hmm. and they call it a disease. And and why does it go away, maybe, if you, quote, vaccinate them? Because you poison them worse. And so now they they can't go through chicken pox. They have to deal with chronic asthma, which is exactly the epidemiology. Yeah, it makes complete sense. I was saying this, this is, I don't, have you, have you read the book or heard the book, um, Tom, uh, what really makes us ill? I mean, I've heard it. Have you heard it? Yeah. But it's talking the irony of- is if you look at what breaks down a, a tissue culture, starving and poisoning it, right? So you mentioned this before. You've mentioned this before. You said before there was you thought there was three, three things that caused right. the starvation, po- poisoning. Uh, what was the, I had it written down here? Injuries. Injuries. That was it. Injuries. And then you said you added the fourth one, which was like psychological delusion. Right. You're under a spell, otherwise um, called yeah. mass psychosis. And I think that's. I mean, and when with with all the programming, the media, the propaganda, I mean. You, you tell people, we looked at this in placebo, I think it's 38 to 64% effective. You you tell someone that they're going to get ill and you give them all the symptoms, they'll get ill. They've, they've given a chemotherapy um, or uh, given saline solution, said it was chemotherapeutic uh, tablets to, to patients and their head fell out because they believed they were getting chemotherapy. So I say this to people, people don't understand how powerful the mind is, especially if everything's going on. Yes. So there's a lot of creative ways of starving and poisoning people and making them delusional. And some people are very good at doing that. And when you've got the, uh, the amount of, uh, when you've got basically limitless funds uh, and to control yeah. the media and everything, it's, it's easy to put the population, the world under, under, under that spell. So 
you know, so we've gone through that. And the reason I mentioned that book, just what really makes us ill, they also talked about um, Spanish flu and measles and how other things, like I think you mentioned in your, in your video, um, your original video, The Dolphin, about how um, uh, the electric electric universe, the electromagnetic frequencies of the, of the world had risen like something like by, I think even now compared to like 100 years ago, it's like 10 to the 18. And the amount of things that we've been bombarded by has changed. There was like volcanic eruptions around. I think it was, um, uh, I think it was a small smallpox um, was going on. So there's lots of other things at play that they don't look into, or history has seemed to have forgotten. So for people out there, um, Tom, just so the point of it is, uh, since a hundred percent of the energy has been focused on the viruses. Mm-hmm. There's no way anybody can really tell. So why does somebody get sick? It depends. Yeah. Uh, nobody's looking into it. But I can tell you some places to look. They're being starved. They're being poisoned. They're being uh, exposed to electromagnetic frequencies that no living being has ever been exposed to. They're being exposed to stuff sprayed in the air and injected into them. In, in a way that has no precedence in human history. Now, since we know it's not a virus, right? I would suggest somebody look into those. Uh, and then that would mean literally the, 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 basically the crippling of basically every industry, big pharma, big agra, big, big tech, um, all these people. I mean, big telecoms, I think five times more powerful than big pharma. So if you've got all, these, all this money, all this power with influence, and you're saying these are the things you mentioned poisoning and starvation. Well, people generally eating food, quote unquote food, it's 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 got no nutrition in it. So it's really starving the, their body and it's poisoning right. at the same time um, because it's, it's toxic garbage. Uh, and you mentioned everyone's walking around with a radiation device in their in their pocket next to their you know, reproductive organs. They're not sleeping enough um they're not getting any everyone's living in temperature controlled environments they're being polluted by volatile gate compounds there's a million things we can go into in in general so you know people sometimes say to me well tom i'm not exposed to any toxins at all how could it be that i get sick i say uh where do you live because i I don't know a place like i like are you kidding me well every drop of rain you know, has tritium, you know, isotope, which is a radioactive isotope in it. Uh, and, and you can go on, you find, look at breast milk, there's a hundred and whatever, 10 carcinogenic compounds in every drop of, of breast milk. This is, this is nuts to think, oh, I, I live a, a really clean life. You're like, well, most, you're, you, yeah. you gotta be kidding me. Well, most people, I mean, their toothpaste, the 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 the, the stuff they wash their clothes in, the yeah, stuff, stuff they put on their skin, on their hair. I mean, you can go. I mean, you can go anything. What put arsenic skin. in the wallpaper for yeah. God's sake. The air, the air in the indoors has been shown to be ten times more toxic than the air outside. So just sitting inside their office, uh, the yeah. carpet, the carpet's full of carcinogenic <laughs> carcinogenic ingredients. So uh, these are one hundred and sixty-four carcinogens. In a, in a particular um, sort of carpet. So, I mean, this is 
why people out there I say to them like, diet lifestyle environment are crucial because we're not living in 1920 1930 where the food was a lot better you know uh where the air was cleaner where we didn't have as many electromagnetic frequencies being bombarded with them daily. Except in 1920 they were pooping in the streets and living in you know feces and urine so it wasn't so great either in the city so either. yeah i mean but that's that's where the action is and you know we can we can pretend and have a culture of make believe all we want that everything is fine mm. and it's just not and that's why people get sick and it's easy to prove so so for so for, so when we so when people talk about um just the virome the the virome there's no virome about to say you're saying it doesn't exist that's it's just garbage okay and it's so no, it, it's no more interesting or useful than if you go to the, and see all these bits of paper from somebody's house you could say you know this guy probably liked to read dostoevsky more than the guy down the street he liked to read you know playboy magazine or something uh and maybe you could say this guy is a little smarter or maybe not you know who knows so, uh, but there, that's all there is to it, and we should forget about the whole thing. So, so, vi- so even so, viruses. You're saying you couldn't find a virus. So when, when, so there's nothing that the body produces. So, for example, they've seen. I know bacteria and parasites are different. You know, they, they've seen. You know, parasites come into the body. You had actually, one of the things I actually wanted to talk to you about was that. But for you, there is the body um, doesn't produce viruses to clear cells. There is no virus. You're saying the whole thing is just complete nonsense. I mean, when you, when the cells break down, they make little packages of that are unfortunately called viruses. Okay. And so the question: Do they have a role? Do they communicate? You know, are they pieces of RNA or DNA that have some resonant function? I mean, I don't know, but that's it, it's it's. It's only of mild academic concern. Okay. You should forget about that. The whole idea is a misconception. So when they get things like um, people talk about herpes, you know, uh, et cetera, that would be, um, would that be more like a, a bacteria or would that be a symp- sympathetic response in the body? Something we've looked into called signal transduction, which is how you mentioned women's periods syncing up. Like, what would that be? Would that be detoxification? So, here, so first of all, whenever you think so, herpes is called is considered a virus. Mm-hmm. Can you show me one study of any herpes lesion where they found a identical particle that you could call a herpes virus? No. Answer, no. So what's the evidence that it's caused by a virus? Have they ever isolated the virus, exposed it to people's genitals and made them have symptoms? Answer, no. So there's no evidence it's a virus. Now, what what happens, you know, if you get out of your head about the virus and think, what happens? So you have sex with somebody new, and then you have discharge of this sticky stuff that hurts, right? Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes it's if it's a new relationship, which is typical, you have a lot more sex than you used to have, right? So there's already you know, a a sort of irritation phenomena going on. The second thing is you have a breakdown of the tissue. And 
you know, I treated people for years by giving them bone broth for herpes because basically their tissue is weak. And so it breaks down. They don't have collagen and vitamin C. Tissue breaks down and then they ooze out this poison. Now, here's another possibility. And this one, I would admit, is a theory because it's hard to prove. But could you you imagine? So you have a new partner and somewhere in your soul says, I must be in love. We are maybe going to start a family, right? That's what happens. So we have a lot of sex. And your body says, okay, new partner, joy in life. You know, I'm going to have a family. I'm going to clean out my reproductive organs. So some of the toxins from your ovarian tissue, uterus, penis, etc., they get eliminated through the skin. And then you become less toxic in your genital tissues, ready to have a better baby than you would before. Because now finally you met somebody who, you know, you feel like you are compatible with. And that's how human beings communicate through a sort of electric bioresonance. And, and I mean, I can't prove that theory, but that's what it seems to me. And it explains all the facts of the case. So there's a discharge. They have uh, a collagen deficiency. They have irritation and their soul is moved in a new way that would exactly describe what's happening. Definitely. The the detoxification, I think it was uh, Andres Wonderplant talks about that in terms of it's a blister in the skin, detoxification of the the skin or or the organs that that are around it. That would make sense, you know, but um, that won't make you millions or billions of dollars uh, when it comes to antiviral medication. Um, you also talked about something called um, bioremediation. Um, when you, t- you I've heard you talk about it before. When it comes to, because when it when it comes to the theory that was was used before in terms of as you said as we mentioned before in terms of people getting sick because of they've been they're being poisoned, being starved, you know, they might get an injury or their psychological delusion. But when it comes to the environment and being being starved and being poisoned it can lead to them maybe picking up a parasitic infection or, or, or bacterial issue because the bacteria sees them, uh, the body as something that they can maybe break down because they're not being much used to mother nature, living the way they are. And most people think it, it comes from that, you know, like you're not healthy enough. The bacteria comes in, um, it, it's you have a problem, but you talked about a different, maybe a different theory uh, regarding that. Do you, do you remember what you're not a theory, not a theory. Go ahead. What happens is your your for instance your tonsils are poisoned through diet through poisons through putting metal in your mouth and they start to degrade and the bacteria that are always living in your mouth or are actually created anew in your tissues come to uh, eat do what bacteria do which is bioremediate they are saprophytic organisms that eat dead and dying tissue to help you out. And so when they eat the dead and dying tissue, then they do their job and then they leave. And it's more or less the same with parasites. Although parasites like bacteria can also create their own poisons. Um, And so then you have two problems. You have the bioremediation 
and the symptoms that come along with that. And some of them create their own toxins, right? Because they're organisms. And the, the parasites, you know, parasites eat like 50 times their weight or some amount of heavy metals in your tissue. So you get poisoned with heavy metals. The parasites come to eat it to help you out. And then because you go to your holistic doctor and he doesn't know this, he kills the parasites, leaving you with heavy metals for the rest of your life. Yeah, that that was what I wanted to say. So this is where nature knows what it's doing, and it's actually putting these things in place to help us out. So rather yeah. while the carpet bombing these things is off with, yeah, if you said biological medicines or remedies, they're there for a reason. Um, because as you said before, we are being poisoned um, at an astronomical rate more than any other time in history. So when these things that these parasites can be good for us obviously you get others that are um not all parasites are the same some there can be there to help others can obviously um have yeah quite destructive parasites are a little bit different and so i i've never said parasites can't cause disease mm-hmm. uh, viruses don't exist bacteria are doing bioremediation but they can themselves make toxins that can complicate the matter mm-hmm. They can also clog up the tissues. Like if you have a big lump of poison in your lungs and you get bacteria, they may grow and actually affect that movement of the air. And they're still trying to do their job. They're just having trouble getting out of the way. So, so, so I was going to say, so if someone comes in like a doctor, they'll they'll see that they'll they'll give someone antibiotics, clear out the bacteria. Uh, so that that the the, the 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 symptom of them doing their job will go away but then you'll get the issue come back again when you get lung cancer in 20 years because you build up debris and that's exactly what happens and that's the why people throughout history when they were still doing scientific medicine did sweats and fevers and all every chinese medicine ayurvedic medicine native american medicine all understood exactly what I'm talking about. That's how they did medicine. The only anti-scientific medicine scheme ever is the current one. Well, when you when you started off by trying to get as much, yeah, trying to get rid of your uh, your the off the offshoots you've had from World War Two in terms of petroleum um, into people, you know, it's not a great start. So I'm not surprised we, we are we are where we are, and it's just been you said before everything they do is is just based on a lie and so when we get into the point of these these injections that are going around um tom i mean how they're trying to trying to mandate vaccinations for the world or if it's going on i mean in your opinion how um dangerous are these injections unimaginably unimaginably Okay, and so anyways, what's the point? If there's no virus, what are you trying to make somebody immune to? So this is this is there's no virus. There's no natural immunity. There's no vaccine immunity. You cannot be immune to a unicorn. So this is where when I asked you, what do you think is going on? Um, I know you said you haven't got a theory on that because you're just talking about what what's going on here. But if they were trying to for example you know go down this route 
why would they bring a myth about a virus? What is, where is this going? Why would they, if you I mean, it's all, it's all nonsense, but they're still trying to vaccinate the world. You don't need to, but they're still pushing it heavily. Um, and the, I mean, we've seen um, the amount of destruction that's already gone on with these vaccines, but for you, you'd say stay as far away as possible. <laughs> There's no reason to, and you cannot make somebody immune to something that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And the, the idea behind it, I, as far as I can tell, is, is basically a transhumanistic agenda to make us more like inanimate objects that it can be connected to some sort of internet. And by, that's by putting certain toxins into these injections that seem to be able to receive impulses from the internet, you know, and, and transmit them. So this is a transhumanistic agenda. Okay, and so this gra- have you have you looked into graphene oxide under the microscope? Yes. And what I haven't you- seen it. I don't have a microscope. You don't have a microscope. Is this because you said no. before you've done some tests with with um, other doctors? Have you seen you seen what that looks like? That looks there's like some, very- there's some pretty convincing evidence that that may be the agent that's the receiver and the transmitter. Hmm. And and for and for 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 people that have had the injections that are waking up to to this stuff, um, Tom, is, do you have any advice of, of how to detox detoxify the body? No, get rid of it. No, I haven't. Nope. No. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> so, how what is what is your step if if they try to um, mandate vaccines? What have have you um, looked into any any sort of legal proceedings around that with your team? Uh I haven't personally, I mean, a tiny bit. uh, Andy Kaufman has a lot. Mm -hmm. And we did a COVID miss three and he outlined an entire strategy around that. As far as I know, at this point, there is no law forcing anybody to get any vaccine. There are, you are mandates, which are you you have the choice to voluntarily comply or not, in which case it's your choice. Mm-hmm. And what I hope is that if they mandate teachers, for instance, and I know that this can sound insensitive, and who am I to say this, but what I hope is that they quit or get fired. Maybe getting fired is better, actually. Um, and they start forming their own educational milieu outside of school because the school system was horrible before this and is not my goal to restore the school system to what it was, the medical system to what it was, the government to what it was, the tech industry to what it was, they all needed to go in 2019, yeah. all of them. Mm-hmm. So there now will be millions and millions of people who have, uh, like it or not, are outside of the system. So let's get to work and create something that works for everybody. And yeah, I mean, you saw earlier, I think it was earlier this week, where they said like 70,000 um, healthcare workers were being fired in New York. Uh, for not yeah, good. Yeah, hundred percent. But I'm like, is if the, if there was a real pandemic, <clears throat> pandemic, you wouldn't be firing seventy thousand healthcare workers. 
Right. But now they have a chance. And I understand that I can be accused of insensitivity and I'm not a single mom with a child and I have to pay the bills tomorrow. But I've done a lot of things similar to this. You know, I quit residency when I didn't like what I was seeing and I had no way to support my family either, except by my own wits. And I'm not saying I didn't have advantages and all this stuff, you know, but I believe that the universe will help you out if you choose to do what's right, what's in your heart, uh, and to do to just do for the good. The universe will say, "Okay, here's somebody who uh, needs you to teach their children or nurse, help them nurse their father in their house, and we will pay you twice as much as you used to get. No mandates, no jabs." No people yelling at you. Just do what you think is right because you you can do this. That's the world that we can create. Uh, but people have to have the courage and see the reality for what it is. Right now, they're under a spell. Hmm. I mean, when when you scare people, when you push them into that limbic brain, they will, they will do anything for their survival or even for their freedoms. You know, you've seen when an animal goes under attack, they'll be in a frenzy and they'll spear themselves on some wire because they're just trying to get away. And you know, most people, unfortunately, Tom, they're playing on the fact that most people have no idea about health. And they've got no idea about a lot of, they've been taught They've been taught one thing by the system, which doesn't want you to be healthy, happy, you know, vital, wealthy, wants you to be sick, depressed, fat, you know. And so when you're trying to tell them, they need to understand that they need to be comfortable with the fact that everything they've been taught it's basically bullshit to get them to conform and that's quite a um i mean uh, i can tell this from, just from your person having listened to you speak many times time you know you're someone who yeah giving out their residency for example you're back yourself you're, you're quite okay i haven't got any, any anything to support me right now but i'll find a way and unfortunately most people have been been they've had that taken out of them you know and that's why they want to rely on the state and they're happy for the state and the system because I'm like yourself, I did lots of things for a long while where I was like, well, I want to get here, but I haven't, I haven't got anyone, to, I haven't got any job in the line. I have to go and create this myself. Um, and so it's something that a lot of people need to get out of, they need to be, to get out of and to see your hundred, one of the things I would say, what you said there, the universe will definitely mirror what you do. If you put your, your confidence in it and in yourself, it will mirror back. You take a step towards your goal, it will mirror it back. I mean, you, you actually surrendered your medical license, didn't you recently? Yes. And was that because you allowed you to talk about things like this? I mean, I didn't need to do that anymore. I didn't want to do it. And I didn't want to be hassled by them. I didn't want to be held hostage. And I, you know, I mean, I had other options. I've been setting things up and, you know, people pay me to do stuff, you know, so it wasn't like I'm some huge risk. And I'm not telling people not to prepare and plan and make good decisions and don't make emotional, rash decisions, right? I didn't do that. I knew this was coming for years. And so I figured out, you know, how we can survive and thrive in a better way. And I don't need, I don't need people approving what I say or not. Well, so, so for people out there that maybe don't approve of what you say, you know, they say, Dr. Karen is not, not a, not a virologist, you know, 
I mean, for me, I would just say, but you need to be a virologist to look at scientists. What, what to look at science? What would you say to that? I don't need to say anything to it. They, I, I say what I say. I tell people why I say what I say, why I think what they I say. If you think I'm wrong, let me hear it and show me the proof. Yeah, and I think that that's that's. Otherwise, the, I don't give a damn what you say. No, no, I, and I, I admire that, and that's that, that's actually one of the thing, one of the reasons why um, you've got to where where you are. Your 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 presence with Andy Kaufman's gone gone. Excuse the pun, viral, because you know you've been able to come out and say what needed to be said. Um, unfortunately, have you had much backing from other people in the industry? Uh, some, I mean, we get a lot of support and we get a lot of criticism. <laughs> no, no, I'd, I'd imagine so. But how? But no one. But the fact you get criticism, but no one's been able to prove you wrong. No, not even close. I think that that says it all. You said um, you've actually got a booklet coming out uh, next week uh, that people can get on drcowan.com called Breaking. Yeah, Dr. Tom Cowan, D R T O M C O W A N dot com. Dr. Tom Cowan. Breaking the Spell. Yeah. Sci- I think it's subtitled The uh, Scientific Case for the Ending the COVID Delusion or something like that. Yeah. Have you ever, have you had any. Um, any backlash from any government figures or anything like that so far? No, well, the medical board, but otherwise, no. No, cool. All right, so so breaking the spell, and people can get that at your website, and it's coming out next week. Yep. Perfect. And is there anything else that please? I had lots of questions for you about the viral uh, and about what is it, but you know, when she said it's all nonsense, it doesn't exist. That's sort of like that. That that's it, really. There's nothing more, really more to say. Um, nothing to ask about the viral. <laughs> misconception um and it's just basically trying to get people out of this um out of this spell they've been put put in and, and so and for people out there that want to get healthy uh, and stay healthy and not be exposed to this turn off your tv eat organic food get out in the sunlight do some movement stop exposing yourself to toxins you know and be a human being be a human being exactly and um yeah, was there anything else you wanted to add, Tom? Nope. Thanks for doing this. No worries, my man. Thank you very much for coming on. Okay, thanks. So, guys, that was Dr. Tom Cowan. And, you know, I'm sure you learned a hell of a lot there. And it really blew the, the doors wide off this whole scam, this whole nonsense that we're going through. It just shows you how far back it goes to John Enders and how they have just perpetuated this myth to fill their pockets to line their pockets to keep everyone scared and you know you can't argue with this the facts are right there all the evidence has been presented and no one can refute it and so this is why i always talk about how illness isn't contagious yes bodies can speak through signal transduction but illnesses viruses aren't contagious okay it's it's just a complete and utter nonsense that they've used to basically scare the world and to make billions, if not trillions, it'll be soon, of dollars, pounds from antivirals, from vaccines, etc. And as Dr. Cowan said, you know, when I asked, when I asked, what would you say to people that have taken the jab? He just said, wish them good luck. 
And so, you know, we're talking about someone who's been in this game for a long period of time. He's looking at all the research himself. And the, the only reason he actually, he, his other things that he wrote in the past weren't, when he looks back at them, he says, oh, that was actually incorrect. It was because he was just looking at research of other people rather than going into it back right back into the, into the, um, the beginning himself. And then when he'd done that, he's seen what's really the truth. And so, you know, it's a great interview. I'm sure we'll get him back on the podcast another, another date, but you know, this really goes to show. So you don't have to be worried about this virus because there is no virus or any virus. This is why it's so important to take care of yourself from what you eat, you know, from what you listen to, you get exercise, sunlight, you take cold showers, you do all the things we mentioned on the podcast, as well as getting your essential supplements in, etc., to make sure your body's at the healthiest, well, the healthiest version it can be. And so, yeah, anyway, guys and girls, I'm sure you can dive into that um, and look for any other podcast from Dr. Cowan. And I'll be looking to get Dr. Kaufman on the podcast very, very soon as well. So that's it for today's show. Uh, as always, if you are dealing with a health issue and you'd love to overcome it, you know, because you, you tried the conventional route, which just doesn't work because it never gets to the root cause of the issue, which is the body being toxic, deficient, internally imbalanced and overly stressed. And once we get to that, you know, we will help your body heal. I've seen it thousands and thousands of times. You know, we've helped over 7,000 people overcome all manner of different illnesses and disease because the way you heal anything is the way you heal everything with a few subtle differences. So if you're looking for help with that, then please don't hesitate to send me an, an email at, to ryan at reviveyourself.co. That's ryan at reviveyourself.co and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Otherwise, people, stay positive. Keep doing all you can to keep yourself smiling. Stay happy, stay healthy and I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. If you're struggling with gut issues, such as gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, indigestion, heartburn, and want to finally be able to eat the foods you love without the crippling after effects, then don't forget to head over to reviveyourself.co and pick up your free copy of The Healing Health Paradigm today.